think the mayor's race is, is going to determine a lot about where the city goes. You know, we're in many ways on, on that precipice in terms of the tale of two cities, in terms of fo- the number of people that have been leaving the city. Our financial problems are just, it's just seem to be really insurmountable. So I think who t- takes over City Hall is, is going to be a, a really crucial part of the story. Hello, and welcome to the 17th episode of The Broadcast, a Chicago podcast dedicated to showcasing women who are making an impact on Chicago and their communities. If this is your first time listening to The Broadcast, welcome. We're glad you found us. And for those joining us again, welcome back, and thank you so much for listening as always. All of this is possible because of you and our amazing sponsors and partners, We Will and Evolve Her, and our podcast home here, 1871, which is Chicago's premier hub for entrepreneurs innovation, and technology. I'm Becky Carroll, President and CEO of C-Strategies, and I'm also your host. As 2018 comes to a close, finally, (laughs) I thought we should end the year by hosting a one-on-one with one of the few people who can sum it all up and make some predictions for 2019, which is Sun-Times columnist, ABC political observer, and longtime Chicago political observer extraordinaire, Laura Washington. (laughs) Welcome to the show. That's a mouthful, Becky. Thank you. (laughs) Hey, you know. I got too many jobs. You got it going on. That's all good. (laughs) Hey, you know, women, we we multitask and chew gum and pop Mm -hmm. bubbles, everything at the same time. Mm -hmm. So again, thank you to this more special episode of the broadcast. You're our first solo guest. And Mm -hmm. I just thought it would be a really engaging conversation to get you on and talk about a lot of the issues that you're covering, of course, day to day throughout the year. Thanks. I'm honored. Yay. Well, thank you. So let's start with November. It seems like so much longer than a month ago that Democrats elected a new governor and gave supermajorities to the Democrats here in the Illinois House and Senate. And usually Dems in Illinois have a relatively low midterm voter turnout, uh, but not this time around. Um, What do you think excited the Democratic base this year here in Illinois? And can we sustain that through 2020? <laughs> the second question is a wild one, but I would say three things. One is Bruce Rauner. Second is Donald Trump and the fact that Bruce Rauner had to run away from Donald Trump. Yes. And third is women. Women are energizing not just here in Illinois, but all around the country in terms Yay. of <laughs> in terms of you know getting engaged in politics, running for office, getting folks out to vote. And I think that that's going to continue. So, and and that's all good, especially for women candidates. Yeah, I I cannot agree more. I mean, the the women vote and the youth vote, it was the first time I think since the youth vote outpaced the baby boomers Mm -hmm. here Mm -hmm. at the, at the voting booth, which is really impressive. And that I'd like to see whether or not that gets sustained. Yeah, because I think this is really the first time that's happened for you. Every time around every election cycle, they say young people are going to get out there and there's a lot of energy and time put into this time. They did it. They really, did so i think campaigns are gonna have to think twice this time about like blowing them off yeah yeah and because they target usually the 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 older generation of folks who vote because they are consistently coming out and maybe Mm -hmm. not this time Mm -hmm. so i'm sure you saw this the other day but it broke that bruce ronner actively tried to replace himself on the ballot for illinois governor that surely would have been one of the biggest political stories in illinois this past year but you know from your vantage point what do you think the biggest political story was in 2018, and maybe even two stories. Well, yo, just just can I say about Bruce Rauner and that replacement angle? 
is a reporter. I, I, you know, I, I'm killing myself that I didn't get that one. And I can't <laughs> believe that that story did, just stayed under wraps until. And then yeah. Browner was the one that, you know, because he talked to, it sounds like, you know, maybe a half dozen people. A lot of folks knew he was doing it. A lot of folks had been asked yeah. and yet Kept it didn't it in the leak. Vault. I, mm-hmm. guess the, I guess they were just too embarrassed to talk about it. The GOP. <laughs> that would be pretty embarrassing <laughs> to talk about it because you're exposing your party and yourself, right, really, yeah, right? Right, right, right. But anyway, in terms of the big stories, uh, obviously for me, Rahm Emanuel deciding not to run for a third term. What a bombshell. Well, it was huge. No one saw that coming. Although, in retrospect, when you look back, it makes a lot of sense, especially for him. I mean, it's interesting. He's already moved on. You know, he's out there trying to get his own, you know, television show or his own television yeah. commentary gig. Writing a book. He's writing a book. Every time you pick up the national press, he's getting quoted, you know. And he's being even more bold than before with some of his policy mm-hmm. initiatives. He's like, I'm just ripping all the Band-Aids off. Well, he well he wants to, he, he needs a legacy and he yeah. wants to be able to say he tried and that yeah. he did everything he could before he left office. So there you go, Richie. I did leave you with a mess. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, so, that's, exactly. so that's the big one. And, and, and another big one is is Ed Burke and the investigation of, of the 14th Ward Alderman's, you know, offices. Yeah, and, and not he, just he, once he, now, he, but twice. Twice. And, you know, no, every, he's one of those guys that everybody always wondered about, but nobody ever thought that they would really get him. And they haven't right. gotten him yet. Right, but right. But it, it certainly doesn't look good. And, and that could have all kinds of repercussions in City Hall. For all but, sorts of people. Yeah, because a lot of things, a lot of, a thing that's been said about Burke forever is that he knows where all the bodies is buried, are buried. He has, he knows where the secrets are. And that's why Rom kind of pretty much left him alone. even yep. a, a, And most everyone else has. Because, yeah. So if, so if Burke does get indicted, if he does get into some federal trouble, does that mean he's going to take some folks with him? Oh, now that will be very, that might be the story of 2019, <laughs> that, right? That was on my list. <laughs> so we'll, we'll come back in a okay. year and see like how yeah. that all went down. I was just at Rich Miller's um, annual City Club speech this week. And I'll say the crowd was much lighter and I'd say happier this year. He raised even more money this year than ever. So I think folks are are feeling a little, you know, uh, jump in their step. I, I assume that has maybe a lot to do with the changing of the guard in the governor's mansion. You know, from where you see things, what do you think this new Pritzker administration is going to have to prioritize? Mm. You know, there's lots of talk about different, you know, various issues. And also, you know, can he actually get a progressive income tax pass and legalize marijuana. I mean, it's been a big promise, but it's still a, a big hill to climb. Yeah, I think I think the progressive income tax is going to be really tough because that's that's really going to require, as I understand, it's going to, that, that, that probably is going to require uh, uh, the voice of the voters. It's going to be, have to be some kind of referendum. And there was one this just was recently done, I think it was in Colorado, that failed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's it's it sounds good on paper, but it's it gets to, it can be very complicated. I think, and, and the other problem is, I don't know if it's a problem, but JB has not been very clear or specific, and he got hit pretty hard on that during the campaign mm-hmm. for what that would that progressive income tax would look like, what, right. what the levels would be. So there's still a lot of big questions out there about that. Marijuana, everybody's for it, you know, but we, you know, people have been talking about the legalization of marijuana for years, and even if they can get that through, it's it's going to be a while before we're going to realize any any income, any revenues from that. Right. Even with super majorities, it sounds good. But mm-hmm. these folks are coming from a lot of districts that have been red. So they're going to still be cautious about how far they're going to put themselves out there. Right. 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 And even though the Republicans are going to be in the minority in, in the House and in, in the Senate, they're going to want to still be able to exert their muscle 
and be able to respond to their their, their bases, especially yeah. when you when you've got a Trump election, a re-election campaign coming up. So they're going to be very wary of of getting too far out on the left. Yeah, because you know if if they don't kind of stake their ground and I think have a good strategy, they can stand to lose a heck of a lot more in two years. That's very mm-hmm. true. So you know, stepping ahead to 2019, and we have this open seat mayor's race coming up here in Chicago. What are you hearing from voters as you talk to them and engage them day to day? I mean, what do they want to see in a new mayor? And what are some of the issues you think they care the most about? Well, I think the main thing I'm hearing now is a lot of confusion and a lot of frustration because we've got 21 is a, as we speak, <laughs> right? it's going to change, but yeah. we've got 21 people that want to get on the ballot. And that's just too confusing and it's just too much for people to really take in. Um, I think that that number will get had, it'll go down at least half um, by the time we get still serious. And that's still a lot. <laughs> that's still, still too many. So there's that, but there's also, I think that the issues that, that I'm hearing the candidates are talking about are what the voters want to hear about. Violence and crime in the city, uh, education, the schools, and 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 how are we going to keep those strong? Mm-hmm. And the pension crisis, the financial crisis. Where is the money going to come from? Those, right. that's what people are are really buzzing about. Yeah, I really think voters are much more astute now. Like mm-hmm. there was a time when you know they really didn't understand the bigger chant, like like pensions and our budget deficits and whatnot. And now mm-hmm. they know. So they are, I think, more and more demanding to hear an actual plan for how they're going to try to address that, which is refreshing I right, think so right. so but you mentioned there's so many let's say they do get cut in half but like can there really be a true front runner with so many people in the race I mean for this part of the race is it just a name ID game until you have two folks in the runoff and any predictions on that well I think I think well I think it's going to narrow and the, I think that the two folks that will end up in the runoff are going to be big name ID people I don't see any dark horses or any you know surprises coming up, but I don't think there's any one particular front runner among that group. I would say there's maybe six, seven folks mm-hmm. that have the name recognition, that have the experience, and I think that this is this election, both in this, in this round and the second round, is going to turn on experience. I think, given where the city is, you know, Rom Ramis didn't fix all the problems. We've got a lot of challenges. Voters are going to be looking for somebody who's a manager, someone who has the skills, who has experience, who has run some kind of a major government agency. And if you look at the if you look at the twenty one, you only got maybe about six or seven folks like that. Literally, right? Yeah, and, and, yeah. And and I, and I like to think, and I've, I've written about this, that the two front runners, are the two cl- likely uh, folks to get in the runoff are going to be women. Yes. I just back to what we were talking about before. We've which got is a very lot of exciting. really strong women and women running. of color, which is even more exciting. We're ready. Chicago's yeah, yeah. ready. I always it's, say it's about time. It is about it's time. Been, it was the 80, 1980s for the last time we elected a woman, and that was Ooh. Jane Byrne. And I so, know. <laughs> and you know, we love ourselves some Jane Byrne, but yeah. it, it is time, time for, for another woman to occupy that office. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think are some of the greatest weaknesses among these front runners? I think some of them share, like. All of them have a Burke connection. All of them have some Madigan connection. I mean, the things that like come to mind. Mm-hmm. But like, what do you kind of? How do you kind of handle well, that think, right now? I think you know everybody's got their there's controversies and scandals in their background. But I think that I think that it's uh, the the race is going to be so fractured. There's going to everybody's going to be sharing every, everybody else's demographics and bases, and so the, no one's going to come out with a strong, reliable source of votes. I mean, yeah. you know, the African American candidates are going to have to split. Latino candidates are going to have to split. Either the big business types like the Dailies and the Paul Ballas's are going to have to split. So it's 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 going to be a lot of slicing and dicing going on, and and that makes that that makes for a lot of uncertainty. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see how 
you know, because when you're in a race like this, you need with all these folks. And even if you have a great name ID like Tony does mm-hmm. and Susanna and, you know, then Bill and to a lesser extent, I think Chico and Ballas, you still need money to like get your story out mm-hmm. before you start attacking someone mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of money. No. Going into these races so no, far. It's, yeah, when when Ron was running, it was, they were talking mid twenty mid twenty million. And that was just the first round, right? Exactly. No, and so I've <laughs> That's been not going to happen. This Daily time. by far has got. I think he's got he's got over three million, but he's already spending it on TV commercials. So and he has a lot more to make up than mm-hmm. Susanna and Tony. I think the last public polls, Tony was at seventy three percent name ID. Susanna was at sixty three, and everyone else like fifties, forties, and then mm-hmm. you know really dropping off before mm-hmm. beyond you know where that. was where was Daily at. Oh, I think Daly was in third, but I think he's like in the 50s. 50s but yeah. like, and then that is also just Daly name. Right. Maybe it, not just uh, him. Right. Is it, yeah. Do people, when they're thinking about him, are they thinking about Bill or thinking about Richie or they thinking about the old man? Right. He's, his name could be a liability. What I, one of the things I do yeah. hear a lot of, haven't we had enough of the Dailies? We're tired of the dynasty. That, you know, that's just an yeah. anecdotal thing I'm hearing on the street, but I think that's an issue for him. Yeah, I've heard that a lot, too. I mean, I think Bill Daly is a good guy. Mm-hmm. I've, I've known of him over the years, but I do think there's a little fatigue mm-hmm. but out he's, there. He's been, I think he's been really good at ad- addressing that, though. He's saying, yeah. you know, I'm not my brother. I love yeah. my brother. We're not, you know, we're not joined at the hip, yeah. and I would do things differently. And he's a yeah. very different experience, mm-hmm. life experience, professional. It's different. You may... Like it, not like it, but it's it's not the same kind of dyed in the wool kind of machine. The old Bridgeport thing. Yeah, yeah, right, right. And on the last episode we had here, we talked about the state of specific aldermanic races. Um, but I'd like to look at it at a more macro level. And, and what's fascinating is that Chicago City Council is supposed to be set up for a weak mayor and mm-hmm. a strong city council. Mm-hmm. We all know it's never really been like that. Do you think that can start to change because there's going to be a lot of turnover i think at the council level and we're going to have a new mayor who doesn't maybe have that same gravitas in the same way that rom did with the hammer you know maybe i mean tony and Susanna, if either one of them make it they're they're both very strong women and personalities and they and they they in particular have relationships going in with alderman they particularly tony because she was an alderman herself for over 20 years and Susanna's worked very closely yeah and as clerk for those seven years exactly Mm -hmm. but but i i think that I think that, at least in the case of Rahm, he really much, pretty much governed by fear. He was very good at, at, at taking control and keeping control and divvying up the, the, the city's goodies like TIF money as a way of, of retaining power. I think some of the other folks that, we, that we've talked about are a little bit more, shall we say, progressive in terms of the way they think about governing mm-hmm. and are more interested in sharing power. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, the, the aldermen aren't. They they don't want you know they don't want to be weak. Right. <laughs> they right. want to be able to to right. exert some some uh, some power. And but you know there's actually fewer people running this time around. There's fewer folks running for all. Yeah, which is like surprising. Almost half but... than there was last time. Even though there's all this. Even though we have the open seat at the top. Yeah. Even though um there is supposed to be a time where we're we're leaning more progressive. So I'm not quite so sure how many more how much more progressive the, the, the city council is going to get. I yeah. think it, maybe it'll get a little bit more independent, but politically, it, not necessarily. Because Chicagoans, for the most part, they're more pragmatic. They're not they're ideological. They're not ideological, right. right. And, right. and it's fascinating to see how some of the city council have kind of used that position, going from like making sure the garbage is picked up and the graffiti is removed and the pot, it's more of a platform mm-hmm. for ideology, which, mm-hmm. you know, might work in some wards because, you know, that's what the voters mm-hmm. want. But 
throughout the entire city council, it's not getting. No, no. I like, I, for example, I think Carlos Ramirez Rosa, uh, the Northwest Side Alderman, is in trouble right now because you know, he's a CTU Chicago Teachers Union guy. He came in with a, a lot of strong ideology, and a lot of folks that I've talked to in his wards are are unhappy. He hasn't been paying enough attention to taking care of business. Yeah, you see, I've heard that a lot, mm. and and I know one of the gals um, through an organization I'm with who's running against him, and that's really part of, I think, her platform is mm-hmm. that, and that's the thing, it's like, you can never take your eye off the ball of what the basics are of being an alderman, because that's what people, at least in Chicago, that's still in their mind, like, right. my alderman, I go for services, get things done, and right. if you don't get calls returned, and things aren't getting taken care right. of. And you can do, you can do all this other ideological yeah. stuff all day long, but you better take care of everything you else. answer that phone. <laughs> <laughs> so I was going to tell you, you know, this, mm-hmm. this always goes by, like, so very very, very, very quickly. But, you know, before we bring this episode to a close, there's a couple of things I want to ask you. First, of course, you spent a couple of years in the Washington administration, which you don't know this, but that was my very first campaign at 12 years old, where I was handing out oh. buttons on the street corner in my neighborhood because my stepmom was a volunteer in the campaign. Oh, that's And so I got cool. to meet him three times, which was really, really cool. That's so cool. Um, but t- do you have like a, a story? Because, you know, we just celebrated, um, was it just... What was the, an- with the anniversary? anniversary just, yes, yeah. yes, mm-hmm. yes. Um, I, do you have like a favorite story you like to tell from your time there? I, you know, with him, I think I think the thing that I loved most about him was, was his energy and his zest for life. But it was also the thing that I think that was in many ways his downfall. I remember uh, in, the, in the second campaign in, 19, in 1987 when he was running for reelection and he was doing, you know, I was working in the mayor's press office, and so I was managing all of his stops and, mm-hmm. and briefings and stuff. He was doing 12, 15 stops a day, you know, and, 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 and you know, running in and out of buildings, running up and downstairs, and he was, as you know, overweight, which is what killed yes. him, and stopping for, at McDonald's. And I, you know, and, and I just remember sitting there thinking, this was in the summer of 87, is he going to make it through the campaign? Right, because he was really yeah, running yeah, himself yeah, in right. the ground. He running, he, but, but it was because he was so committed to Worked being, hard. being out there. And, you know, he was... He wasn't sitting behind a desk. He was out on the street, and and so I was really mad at him when he when he died because it's like, come on, Harold, yeah. you messed it up for us. Should have been a little easier on yourself there. I know. I feel like he was just at that precipice of like really taking it to the next level, mm-hmm. and then, yeah, yeah, it was a sad day. And that's and, and I don't I don't want to be I don't want to end on a sad note, but you know, there'll never be another. Chicago politics will never be the same as it was under Harold Washington, and just in terms of people feeling like there was this possibility that there, that you could change, you know, it was sort of like the Barack Obama thing, you know, yeah, where you could really make a difference. Yeah. Well, let's hope that whoever this next mayor is can at least begin to walk in those shoes a little bit, because I really always feel like Chicago needs a mayor now that, like, cares, where they feel like, and I'm not saying Rom wasn't, mm-hmm. but, you know, Rom kind of had to be, like, the tough parent, you know, make yeah. a lot of difficult decisions. And he was a corporate downtown guy. That's how he. That's how he operated. That's that was how he was successful. And I don't think he knew any other way to be. Yeah, and I. I that's why I think the next mayor, they need to be someone that people in the community feel like really relates to them, mm-hmm. understands them, cares yeah, about them. Yeah. I feel like we need. That's why I think like a woman is the perfect time because mm-hmm. women can communicate in such a different way mm-hmm. with people and mm-hmm. connect with them mm-hmm. than men in general. No offense to all the male uh, mayors who have uh, preceded us, but um, I just feel like that's a 
that's what we're ready for. I agree. So so before we do bring this episode to a close, what do you think are the things we're going to have to watch in Illinois politics in 2019 outside of seeing what happens to uh, Alderman Burke? <laughs> well, I think, you know, the, I think the mayor's race is, is going to determine uh, uh, who, who wins that race is going to determine a lot about where the city goes. You know, we're in many ways on, on that precipice yeah. in terms of the tale of two cities, in terms of fo- the number of people that have been leaving the city be really insurmountable. Yeah. So I think who t- takes over City Hall is, is going to be a, a really crucial part of the story. And as by and this is an opportunity for me to give my shameless plug, because I'm going to be, I don't know if you heard, I'm going to be at the Institute of Politics. Yes, congratulations. David, David that was just announced yesterday. Yeah, right, right, yeah. right. And and talking about the mayor's race. And yeah. so we're going to be doing a whole series of uh, interviews with all the mayoral, major mayoral candidates. And the students are going to be in, very involved in, in getting out, working elections, volunteering, That's uh, very doing exciting. reporting. And so I'm going to be helping to lead some of that. So Right. Well, it's nice because you have the experience of like doing that work and reporting on the work, right. which not a lot of folks who do what you do right. um, have that experience of. And I really think that's why I really like and, and appreciate your perspective because it's it's different from others who, you know, when you do the work, well, it's you know, a very different You know experience. how it is when you're inside, when you're inside the uh. room. You, you you see the decisions getting made. You see the sausage getting sausage made. Sausage being made. And folks on the outside, and even reporters like us, who think we, we think we had know all the answers. Right. You know, you don't know you, you don't know what goes into those decisions and, and what's really involved. And and they gave me working for Harold Washington gave me a completely different uh, appreciation f- as a reporter for what mm-hmm. is what government is like. And, and how tough those decisions are. Yes, and we certainly have a lot of tough decisions ahead of us. So that's why you and others are going to keep all of them on their toes and keep them real and, you know, hopefully... <laughs> we'll try. Yes, mm-hmm. and hopefully continue to try to get things to the right place. So thank you to Sun-Times columnist and ABC7 political observer Laura Washington for being our guest today and being our first solo guest ever. Yay! <laughs> um, and again, the broadcast is brought to you by C-Strategies LLC a strategic communications and public affairs firm bringing passion and veteran experience to help clients meet their business goals. Our sponsors are We Will, which empowers women and children to get involved in the legislative process by affording them opportunities to have a voice be heard. And of course, Evolve Her, Chicago's first creative co-working space for women. Thank you to our podcast home, 1871. And the broadcast is produced and edited by Tweed Thornton. Thank you, Tweed. Additional editing provided by Nicholas Fedora. Music by Christy Bennett's Fumi Gypsy Project. And to learn more about C-Strategies and the broadcast, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at C-Strategies LLC and C-Strategies LLC.com. Thanks for listening and have a great rest of your 2018. So come, let the walls play.